Greetings and welcome to the Southern Witching Hour podcast. You are now entering a liminal space, an in-between place, a realm of Southern supernatural stories and lore told in timeless time. For those of you who need more specifics, the Southern Witching Hour is right now. And I am your host, Lady G, a natural-born historian, storyteller, humorist, and writer with family ties in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Now, if you're looking for me, I'll be in the southern skies, north of the sunset, east of the moonrise, at twilight. Now, here on this podcast, we're always within a liminal space where we're transported to different places in time through storytelling, sometimes supernatural, sometimes mundane, but either way, we definitely leave our current time and space just the same. Now, in today's episode, we're talking about cookouts in the South. So what is a cookout? Well, a cookout is an outdoor social gathering where friends and family come together to enjoy food prepared on a grill. Cookouts are a popular tradition in the southern United States, especially during the spring and summer months. So what's on the menu? Well, first of all, somebody's uncle, daddy, cousin, brother, or grandpappy will be manning the grill. Now, Whoever this person is, he is going to be highly protective of his work. So don't come over there trying to tell him what to do. (laughs) He got this, trust me. And of course, that's not going to stop people from coming over to tell him, oh, your coal's too hot. You need to spray some water on it. You need to let the hood down, all kinds of tips. (laughs) And usually the person who is manning the grill will basically tell you, please go have a seat. (laughs) Now, any good cookout is going to have hamburgers, hot dogs, sausages, chicken, and ribs. Now, steak was pretty much out of the question unless you were good and grown and you brought it yourself. (laughs) I mean, you got to understand steak is very expensive and um, you might want to get some of this uh, hot dog and sausage I got over here because ain't nobody got money for steaks, which reminds me of the last cookout I was at when I was visiting my cousin Ike. Now, Ike, God rest his soul, he has passed on now. He was my mom's first cousin and he was one of my favorite cousins because Ike was always about family. So if you were family, you were good and he was gonna look out for you. Now he was very protective of my mom and by default he was protective of me. So one time we were planning a cookout and Ike said, so what kind of steak do you want? Before I could even really begin to answer, someone else chimed in, oh, count me in. I love steaks. <laughs> now, before he could get that out of his mouth, I call it, well, you better go to the store and buy you one. <laughs> in other words, Ike had reserved his steaks for himself, his wife, me, my mom, and his son. Everybody else was going to be asked out when it came to steaks. Now, in the South, asked out means (laughs) you can forget it. You are counted out in this case. Cookouts are typically potlucks. I have noticed that in analytics, I have a lot of listeners who are from other countries. And so let me explain what a potluck is. 
a potluck is when people gather together and each person who is, you know, going to be a part of the gathering is asked to bring something to basically contribute some food item or something to the gathering. Now, let me clue you in on something. <laughs> if you ever get invited to a cookout in the South and they ask you to bring, I don't know, Cokes, napkins, towels, paper plates, or some coleslaw from Kentucky Fried Chicken, just know that they are telling you, don't cook nothing. <laughs> And that is because either one of two things is the case. Your house is nasty or you cannot cook. And sometimes it's both. <laughs> so bless your heart, honey. There's going to be a plethora of food. Now, when I think about it, I just told you the meats, but the sides could be potato salad, deviled eggs, some type of green salad, sometimes uh, pasta salad. And if it's really fancy, somebody might break out a macaroni and cheese, child. <laughs> somebody might even put on some collard greens. So it could be as formal or as informal as you like, however you want to do it, honey. Along with the food, there's going to be games, music, and other activities going on for other people to enjoy. So it's kind of interesting because in the backyard, let's say we're in a backyard at someone's house, you'll have different little sections where you might have someone playing cards or, or, or I should say a group of people playing cards. And honey, if they black, it's going to be spades. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's spades, it's going to be drama. Somebody's going to be mad at somebody for reneging. And reneging is just another way of saying you went back on your word when it came to your bids. <laughs> Again, this might be something you want to Google or look up on YouTube, honey. Or they might just stick a winning card to their forehead for drama for real. So it's really a sight to see. So we got the section of people playing cards. Now, if you're in Cali somewhere, you might be playing dominoes or something like that. But we talking about the South. So usually it's going to be spades. Um, then, of course, we might have a soul train line going on because somebody is playing some good music. And Frankie Beverly and Mays, Before I Let Go, is a black cookout classic. Now, some of y'all young ones might only know that song from Beyonce. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, when I first heard it, honey, I was like, what is this travesty of justice? <laughs> now, I'm not saying Beyonce can't sing, so please don't come for me. I'm just saying that's a classic by Frankie Beverly, and it probably just needed to be left alone. Now, amongst all of this, we're going to have kids running and ripping, which is just another way of saying hooting and hollering. <laughs> Go Google it again, more Southern sayings. And somebody's aunties are going to be sitting in a corner talking about what somebody got on. Ooh, child, what she wear that for? Now she know that's too short. Or, ooh, child, why she got on all that black? It's too hot for that. <laughs> They also might be talking about who had the nerve to show their face to this cookout, honey. So, oh, also, if you want to know something that will really get you in trouble with the people, do not come to the cookout 
and pack up a bunch of plates to go for everybody at your house who did not bother to come to the cookout. <laughs> no, ma'am. They will stop you real quick. So basically, cookout etiquette is those who came to the cookout get to eat. Those who did not, unless they work in or some kind of major situation happened, are again asked out. Remember what I told you, asked out is you're out of luck, basically. <laughs> now, I have to say cookouts are like one of the best parts of summer. And I don't know if people really still do cookouts that much anymore, but I'm telling you now, if they have kind of cut down on cookouts, and I, I do realize we had a pandemic situation recently, but if they have cut down on cookouts, I'm going to vote for us bringing that back. Now, we had one year where cookouts were pretty much out of the question, and that was in 1980. Now, in 1980, there was a major heat wave that went through several southern states, including Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Now, we're talking about prolonged periods of extreme heat, high humidity. And of course, this led to multiple deaths. I can't tell you how many deaths happen in each one of these states. And of course, the most vulnerable populations in, in cases like this, when the weather is just extreme, would be elderly people and young people or people who have some kind of pre-existing medical condition. So there were a lot of people who died in these states during this time. So if you want to know more about this heat wave, go Google it. There's a lot of information that you can find out there on it. So come on, honey, it's time to go out on the porch. I got the tea waiting for us. So you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode about hot fun in the summertime. And I was telling you about um, my days as a youngster growing up in the South. And I left off a couple of memories that I wanted to bring up here. Now, one of the things that we did as a kid, when I was a kid, me and my brother, my mom and my dad, was we made peach ice cream, homemade peach ice cream. Now, honey, let me tell you this was definitely a task. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, if you had to make ice cream the old way in order to have it, trust me, most people would never have ice cream. <laughs> I just remembered that um, the ice cream churn looked like a bucket that resembled a small barrel and it had a, a long handle on it that you would spin the little arm around to make the Try to make the little magic work, honey, whatever ice cream makers do to make ice cream. But anyway, so, you know, you had to mix in your cream, your eggs, your sugar and your fresh peaches. And then you would place that bowl down into the churn. Now, on the inside of the churn, I think I remember that's where we had to put a bunch of ice and salt. And I think the ice, I mean, the salt was there to keep the ice frozen. So once you had done all that and closed it up real tight, you had to spin that doggone handle around and around and around. And this is what I meant about if you had to make your own ice cream, you probably wouldn't do it if you had to do it the old way. Now, I understand they have newfangled um, 
automatic churns now, but honey, this was old timey, old time churn. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun to do. And the ice cream was delicious. Also, let me tell you about one of my little jobs that I had during the summer. Um, my next door neighbor, her name was Erica and Erica was from Germany. Her husband was in the military. So of course they traveled a lot, but, um, she had an immaculate, do you hear me? Immaculate backyard. Her garden was flawless. And to me, it was magical because she had little statues in there of maybe fairies and mushrooms and all kind of little stuff that was just fascinating. But anyway, I've always been really good with dogs. And, and that's because my dad brought me up, you know, around dogs. We had German shepherds and um, I had learned how to, you know, how to manage myself, I should say, as a kid around German shepherds. My dad had a fascination with German shepherds um, all the way back to his days in the Air Force where he worked as an MP. And I think some of the guys that were kind of in the same unit might have had like canines. It wasn't that they might have had canines. They did have canines. <laughs> he told me all about them. Beautiful German shepherds. So that was, I think, the beginning of his fascination with German shepherds. But anyway, long story go away. Back to my little job with Erica. So when she would go to Germany, it was my job to water the flowers, feed the dogs, and to make sure they had water. So her dog, her little dog's name was Bula. <laughs> and I would make sure Bula was taken care of, go over there, like I said, water the flowers and the plants and things. And she would bring me back candy from Germany, the, the chocolate from Germany. Now, it was delicious. But I probably should have been asking for cash. <laughs> but you're talking about somebody that was maybe eight or nine years old. And she lived right next door. So I didn't have to go too far. Just kind of like a couple of steps away from the front door. But that was really a fond memory. And when I wasn't, you know, playing with um, my dogs or taking care of other people's dogs and gardens, I used to like to sit in the backyard and try to find four-leaf clovers. <laughs> I was such a dreamer as a kid and I would look for little things like, um, I don't know, again, signs that fairies were about in my backyard. And one of the things that I would often find were these little things that look like little pea pods. They were little pea pods. Now I've seen them, you know, outside and I don't know what in the world they are, but most people would probably pass them by and think of them as some kind of weed. <laughs> but if you look really close at them, they, they are little tiny pea pods. And I thought, surely this must be food for the fairies. I also used to like to um, make wishes with dandelions. I would blow on those and make my little wishes. And, you know, what girl didn't take a flower and go, he loves me, he loves me now, he loves me, he loves me now. It didn't matter. I don't even know who it was. It was probably Michael Jackson. Did Michael Jackson love me? Because <laughs> I was too young to really have any, um, any crushes at that time. So what else do I remember? Oh, yeah. We used to sometimes get this fruit called scuppernongs. Scuppernongs. They're spelled S-C-U-P-P-E-R-N-O-N-G. 
S. Now, a lot of Southerners call them scufflers. <laughs> I'm dead ass serious. Right now, today, if you go to a farmer's market in the South and ask for some scufflers, <laughs> they will know what you're talking about. There's also muscadines, which are M-U-S-C-A-D-I-N-E-S. But uh, both of these fruits resemble grapes. Now, from what I remember, most of the scuppernongs that I would see were green and the muscadines were usually kind of purple. Now, <laughs> my best friend is going to kill me for this. <laughs> but one time she was in the store and she asked for some scuffing dines, which is a combination of scuffing dines and muscadines. I was like, honey, it ain't no such thing as scuffing dines. It's either scuffing dines or muscadines. <laughs> Only people from the South will really get this. So let me move on, honey. Um, another thing that we used to do a lot was pick wild plums. So, um, in the neighborhood where I lived, there were a couple of um, pieces of land that they hadn't really developed, really um, woody, lots of trees, lots of brush. And when the summer months would come, there were a lot of plum trees. Wild, there are these tiny little plums that you could get. We would get our little bags and we would go up there and pick those plums and we would bring them home and wash them up and sit there and eat those plums all night long. <laughs> and, you know, now we was probably trans, uh, transpassing, child trespassing on somebody's land, but hey, no harm, no foul. We didn't see a sign and Nobody ever said anything to us. You know, I just think that people were a lot more um, kind of, you know, relaxed about stuff like that. Um, also, in my backyard, there was the doghouse and a lot of shrubbery and stuff. But one of the most amazing thing was that we had um, honeysuckles that would grow over the fence. And I used to go back there and stand and and pull those little honeysuckles out and just suck them all day. <laughs> I love that. It was something that I would do after I played with my dogs. Now, my mama, uh, this is another story. I'm jumping from thing to thing, honey. You're just going to have to follow me. <laughs> my mom had gotten into, I guess what most people call now wild crafting, wild crafting. Um, and this is when you go out and find, um, naturally growing things like cattails and I don't know, wildflowers and um, what they used to call money tree plants. <laughs> and you would take them and, you know, dry them out and spray paint them and basically create like a, um, for lack of a better word, a floral arrangement. But anyway, she had got all these cattails. Now, you'll have to Google this, but basically they're a plant that, that kind of looked like a cat's tail on the end. And the money tree plants were, I think they might be eucalyptus, but I'm not sure. Um, they look like coins just stacked one leaf 
on top of another leaf on top of another leaf. So again, Google these things and you'll have a better visual than what I'm giving because I mean, I, I realize that I'm just not doing a good job. But anyway, she created these little um, arrangements and she had gotten this really nice vase and put them there. And those things sat over in the corner for a really long time. I'll have to ask my brother if he remembers those. Um, what else do I remember? Oh, summertime at night in Alabama playing with my cousin. <laughs> now, we played games like um, Blind Man's Bluff, old games that nobody ever plays anymore, that they were just, I think, made up games. Anyway, so Blind Man's Bluff, there was always a base, like the safe place where everyone could go and the blind man would be the person who would have to close his eyes and try to find people. And if he tagged you, then you became the blind man. It's kind of like Marco Polo. If, you, if you've ever played Marco Polo in a swimming pool, it's kind of like that. But I don't think um, you got any hints. <laughs> As to where anybody was with Blind Man's Bluff, um, you just had to kind of run around in the dark and just be reaching for people. Now, I don't know how in the devil anybody ever got caught by the blind man, but you probably got caught if maybe you fell or tripped over something or somebody sold you out and pushed you into the blind man. <laughs> we had a good time. Um, now, another game that we used to like to play was dodgeball. Um, now my cousin Tabitha, she was always the best at playing Mother May I. So I don't know how many of y'all remember Mother May I. <laughs> this was the game where you have someone who is standing in front of um, a group of people and she is the mother and all of the people are the children and she will give you an instruction but before you do the instruction, you have to say, mother, may I? And then she will say, yes, you may. So she might say to me, well, Gwen, take two steps forward. Now I have to remember to say, mother, may I? And then she will say, yes, you may. Or she might say to my other cousin, Jennifer or Bill or Polly, take one step forward. And if either one of them took one step forward without asking, mother may I, they were out. <laughs> Crazy little game, but we had a lot of fun with it. Now, there is a surprise that I have for you. My dad is going to kill me, but he is going to tell you and when I say tell you, I mean tell me, because he doesn't know that I'm going to actually put this on the podcast. But he's going to tell you about a creepy little game that he had um, played with his sisters and cousins called the Redhead Devil. <laughs> now, this is going to be a real treat for you because this is the Southern Witching Hour podcast. And what would it, how would it be a witching hour if we didn't at least talk about something somewhat creepy? Dad is going to tell you about the Redhead Devil game. So stick around for that. Now, there's also one other thing that I want to mention. We are approaching the summer solstice. 
And of course, that means we're going to come to a point on the solstice when the day is like the longest it's going to be for this year. And every day after that is going to get incrementally shorter and the nights will get incrementally longer. So I said all that to say a lot of the stories that we've talked about on the Southern Witching Hour podcast, I consider to be more stories of light or maybe day. But after the solstice, we'll start having more stories of the dark. And maybe not exactly the dark side, like evil, but more the nighttime type of story, the shadow type of story, the um, strange and unusual, a bit more of that as the nights get longer and the days get shorter. You're listening to the Southern Witching Hour podcast with Lady G. We started out with 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. All here, all ain't here, but all get a go. Hey, man. Hey, Dad, how you doing? All right. I um, you know, I told you I was working on a um a little project. Okay, what's that? Remember, I told you I was working on a little project, and um, I I need to ask you about the redhead devil because <laughs> I'm trying to document this stuff. And you remember you told me about the game, the redhead devil, and I need you to um. Just t- I'm writing this down. So tell me how was the game played? Because I'm trying to create something that you know that'll last for a long time that the kids could look back at, and I'm gonna put it in the blog. Uh, that one number the hide and seek game, but well, how did it go? T- I need to know the details because I'm trying to write this up. I can't just go. Oh, it was just a hide and seek game. How did how did it go? Well, uh, one one of the kids what would sit out, would go to a, spot, a certain spot, and put his hand over the eyes, or put his head down, and, and sing a little song about the redhead devil, which I don't forgot. <laughs> was it a while word? he was singing? All the other kids would go hide. Uh huh. And when he got through singing, he said something like. And here I come, and all that, <laughs> that was last. That's all I remember. Saying something about the redhead. Redhead devil going to get you. Here come the redhead devil something. And then, and then when he got through singing, well, got at the end of the song, he was saying, here I come, and he, then he go out looking for the, for the kids that were hiding, and whatever if the kid got back to the point, what they called it, well, I guess was it, whatever the redhead there would live. <laughs> like a base? Like base? Yeah, like a base. If we got to the base before the redhead devil got back from looking for the kid, then he was safe. Right. Because when you run and you pat, pat the, wherever he was sitting when he was singing and you pat himself, I'm safe, you know. Uh huh. 
You start hollering safe before you got to the base. I'm safe, man. I'm totally hollering at them. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm they be running for <laughs> trying to get them. Because, see, he wasn't ever going too far away from that base. Cause he didn't want none of the kids to get to the baseball while he was gone. Right, right. If he touched, if he touched the kids before they got to the base, then they were out. You know, mm-hmm. and they had to wait to the next game. Oh, so who? What determines who becomes the redhead devil? Oh, they they picked the redhead devil before. I don't remember procedure we went through the for, for the redhead devil position. I think it just <laughs> who wanted the job. You know, whoever wanted the job. <laughs> You know how kids make shit up. Well, <laughs> yeah. I want to be red. I want to be red. No, I want to be red, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can be red, devil. <laughs> like, red hell, devil don't be the same every time. Everybody didn't want to play. They sit on the porch and watch. You know? Right, right. <laughs> But y'all would wait and play the redhead devil like last when it was getting like. Be, most of the time would be at night. Oh. Uh-huh. You know, late evening when it got dark, so you could. I reckon that's why they called it the Redhead Devil, because that was kind of a scary game, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could go hide behind a bush right behind, right behind, right beside the devil. <laughs> Home base. Right. And the devil would never see you, you know. Right, because it was dark. Right, and he didn't want to get too far away from the bacon. Shit, time he got too far, that kid come from everywhere. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> so he wanted to, he had to, more or less, he had to guard the base a little bit. Yeah, he had to keep the, because if he got back to the base before, once he determined where you was, mm-hmm. he saw you coming, and he, and he you had to get by him. <laughs> oh, okay. He would patch you. Yeah. People, no, he would say something like, I got you or something like that, you know. Yeah. Do you Grab ever? By the arm or something like that, and then your ass go sit down. <laughs> you out the game. Play the game. Did you ever, did you ever play the redhead devil? Well, I know exact time. But I'm saying you were actually the redhead devil in a game before. Probably was. I don't mm-hmm. remember no specific time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you played it in more than once or twice. You, you eventually gonna work your way around to being a real head devil. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that sound. I guess. Fun game though, really. Part of I can remember about playing hide and seek was Similar. it involved a little song they were saying. Everybody knew the song. And I don't forgot the words to it. You might be able to look it up on the internet. Okay, so the red, um, the they red. would call it folk songs for for kids' folk songs or kid game songs. You know, something like that. You you probably can find it. Now I remember something about all ain't all ain't ready. Better holler, Billy Goat. Something like that. That's regular hide and seek. Yeah, that's all. Uh, Oh, uh, no, what he says, 
All of he first he lays out the rules. This red, this who's ever is at the home base, you know. Mm -hmm. And he put his head down and so uh, something like one of the phrases was all around my base ain't got no hunger, something like that. <laughs> In other words, if you're too close to his base, you can't get, you know, you you disqualified, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, you can't get right next. If he got his head down and you stand up by his base, <laughs> Try and he to... raises his head and then you say, I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> That's not fair. You disqualify. That's not fair. You can't do that. Okay. Uh -oh. Gotcha. And they say, he's, he's uh, saying the little song that's got all the, the rules of the game. Uh, I don't forgot, but it's two or three rules of the game. Oh, all around. See, it's all around the car, ain't got no hundred, you know. <laughs> all out in, all out in the road, ain't got no hundred, you know. Oh. so and he he playing, out, he laying out the rules, things you can't. Do. If your mama tell you how to stay off the damn porch, you say, all on the porch ain't got no hundred. <laughs> so ain't got no hundred, me you disqualified. That's what I, I, I remember. Mm -hmm. It him sound like it was. It might have been something else, but he said, "All around. in other words, you disqualified if you were in that area." You know? Uh huh. Okay. Anybody on the porch ain't got no hundred. Anybody right by my base ain't got no hundred. All ain't got no all all on the porch ain't got no hundred. Something mm -hmm. like that. Mm hmm. Okay. Been another word because you know we couldn't talk straight no way. <laughs> but that was that's what my memory uh, recorded at this moment is you know. Yeah, far as you remember, it sounded like been something else. Okay. You know? Well, I'm gonna look online to see if I can find it, but I think that was good enough, Dad. Yeah, you can find all them damn songs on there. All right, I gotta, okay, I gotta go. All right, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> he went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think you get the picture. Well, it's getting late. I see the evening star has already set over in the west. And I shall enjoy y'all. Now, I left a lot of meat on the bones of this discussion. And if any of you want to pick at them, just drop me a line at Gwen at the southernwitchinghour.com and I will leave my email in the show notes. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at the underscore southern underscore witching underscore hour. Also, I'd like to ask you guys to share this podcast with your family and friends. I'm available on Amazon, Audible, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spotify. I'm also on Apple. Yay! So if you are enjoying this podcast at all, please be sure to leave me a rating that um, represents your appreciation of what I'm doing here. And that will support the podcast and maybe bring it to a wider audience. Anyway, I'll see y'all next time. Be safe and remember, Lady G loves you.